Macbeth is the title character and main protagonist of William Shakespeare's play. He is Shakespeare's most notorious flawed hero in this desperate tragedy. As a character, he transforms from respectful, noble and loyal warrior to a violent, bloodthirsty, murderous traitor. Who can be blamed for his immense downfall leading to his death? The play opens with the three witches who plan to meet Macbeth when the battle is lost and won. Although Macbeth isn't in this scene, we learn that he is a soldier in battle. We further learn that he is a brave and valiant warrior when King Duncan refers to him as Brave Macbeth and Noble Macbeth. At the start of Act 1, he is loyal to the king and is considered a hero due to his actions on the battlefield. Our first encounter with Macbeth is in Act 1, Scene 3, when he meets the witches. His first word, so foul and fur a day I have not seen, ironically echoes the words of the witches from the start of the play. The witches tell Macbeth how he will be Thane of Glamis, Cawdor and King hereafter. Now, we already know that Macbeth is Thane of Glamis, the title he already earned before the battle. But Macbeth is already aware that the title of Cawdor and King are already taken. Macbeth does begin to wonder how this could be possible and if what the witches have predicted could potentially come true. Before the witches vanish into thin air, they reveal to Banquo that he will be lesser than Macbeth but greater. As even though they predict Macbeth himself will become king, Banquo won't be king himself but his sons will. At this moment in the play, they are not quite sure what has happened here, or whether they have been dreaming. Later, Ross arrives and announces that Macbeth is the new Thane of Cawdor, thus confirming the first of the witch's prophecies. This title was given to Macbeth by King Duncan because of his hard work in battle. The king is thankful for his contribution to Scotland and the loyalty he showed him. We can see straight away Macbeth's loyalty to the king as he responds that the service and the loyalty I owe in doing it pays itself and doing everything safe towards your love and honour, showing the respect and loyalty he had for the king. However, immediately after declaring such loyalty to the king, we are exposed to a darker side to Macbeth. As Macbeth received the title of Thane of Cawdor, Malcolm, King Duncan's son, receives the title Prince of Cumberland, which is the position just before becoming the king. Shakespeare uses the metaphor, that is a step on which I must fall down, or else overleap. For in my way it lies, to show Macbeth's changing character. Before this moment, Macbeth appears innocent enough. His bravery has earned him the title Cawdor, however... Now he sees the position of king become a little too distant. He is not happy that Malcolm receives the title of Prince of Cumberland as the witches told him he would be king, and their other prediction did come true. Macbeth here tells the audience that Malcolm is merely a step that lies in his way to becoming king, showing a much more deceitful side to his character. Macbeth openly shares the witch's prophecies with his wife, Lady Macbeth, who too is ambitious and plans their next moves before King Duncan arrives at their castle that very evening. 
Following the revelations of his wife's plans, Macbeth doubts that it is the right thing to do, as he has always liked and respected the king. Trust plays an immense part of Macbeth's doubts, as he knows that Duncan trusts him and this is one reason why he cannot go through with the dreaded deed. Macbeth states he's here in double trust, first as I am his kinsman and his subject, then as his host, who should against his murderer shut the door, not bear the knife myself, showing the reasons why Macbeth does not want to go through with the deadly act. Macbeth appears to stand up to his wife, claiming we will proceed no further in this business, suggesting that Macbeth cannot commit the crime in order to become the next king. It also shows how he tries to show his authority towards Lady Macbeth and the plan she has created. Lady Macbeth herself serves as a stark contrast to her husband. She presents Macbeth as a very weak and feeble character, refusing to accept that he doesn't want to go through with her plan. She asks Macbeth, had it slept since, presenting her disapproval of his changed mindset. She also refers to Macbeth as a coward, which is not typical of a traditional Elizabethan woman of the time. Macbeth's doubts are further explored when he questions if we should fail, to which her response, we fail, but screw your courage to the stick in place, showing how confident Lady Macbeth is with her plan and how she believes they won't fail if Macbeth is brave and resolute in his actions. It is not typical for a woman to refer to her husband in this way and the audience of the time would be particularly shocked at the blunt and disrespectful manner she used to address her husband. Presenting Lady Macbeth in such a powerful manner only intensifies Macbeth's weakness at this moment in the play. At the end of Act 1 we see the result of the intense pressure Lady Macbeth had put upon her husband. Macbeth claims false face must hide what the false heart doth know showing that he's changed his mind again and will go through with Lady Macbeth's plan. Here he tells us that he will kill Duncan and will try to look and appear innocent to everyone else. At the start of Act 2 we see Macbeth refer to himself as a friend when he startles Banquo in the night. This is quite ironic as we see further into the play that he is not really a genuine friend of Banquo's. This is highlighted in the opening of Act 2, Scene 1, when Banquo inquires about the witches and their prophecies. Macbeth lies to Banquo, claiming he thinks not of them, which is quite obviously not true, as his ambition to become king was started by the prophecy he received from them. Macbeth is seen to hallucinate in Act 2, Scene 1, when he questions, is this a dagger which I see before me? and describes what he sees as a fatal vision and a dagger of the mind. In his soliloquy, Macbeth at the start believes that the dagger is real, rather than knowing it is an illusion from the onset. It is shortly after the opening line that he begins to doubt himself and what he sees in front of him. His soliloquy presents Macbeth's journey towards his murder of King Duncan. We learn quickly into Act 2, Scene 2 that Macbeth has done the deed, immediately transforming him from the loyal and noble Thane to a deadly murderer. 
At this point, Macbeth's conscience is clearly disturbed by what he has done, and once more Lady Macbeth criticises his lack of firmness. Following the deed, Macbeth claims this is a sorry sight, while looking at his bloody hands. His wife thinks Macbeth is rather stupid for saying it, but then notices that Macbeth has brought the bloody daggers from the chamber with him, making her criticise him even more. Macbeth is very concerned in the bloodiness of the deed, and specifically the fact that his own hands bear witness to the unnatural deed of murder. For Lady Macbeth, blood is only like paint, used to blot the picture of death and can easily be washed off and forgotten. Macbeth, on the other hand, is much more aware of the deep stain beneath the surface. He is aware he can't escape his actions and they may haunt him for the rest of his life. Although it's quite obvious that Macbeth committed the crime, Lady Macbeth planned and instigated it and in the end covered their tracks by framing the guards. This certainly highlights again Lady Macbeth's strength but also Macbeth's weakness. In Act 2, Scene 3, we see the revelations from the events of the night before. Macbeth directs Macduff to the king's chamber and it is Macduff who reveals, ring the alarm bell, murder and treason to the other characters as he has found King Duncan dead. Macbeth appears to the other characters as an innocent man, despite the audience knowing the truth. He goes on to say, I do repent me of my fury, that I did kill them. Here, Macbeth is admitting that in his rage he killed the guards, who he and his wife had put the blame on. They were covered in blood along with the daggers which were used to murder Duncan. At Macbeth's revelations, Lady Macbeth faints, supporting her husband's version of events and in her attempt to show their innocence. Following this scene, Macbeth is made king, following King Duncan's sons fleeing to England and Ireland unsurprisingly achieving what the witches had recently promised. In Act 3, Scene 1, Shakespeare presents the relationship between Banquo and Macbeth. At the beginning of the play, when at war, they were close and very good friends. Since their experience with the witches, Shakespeare has put distance between the two, which is mainly due to Macbeth's deadly change in character. Macbeth describes Banquo in this scene as a chief guest and requests for Lady Macbeth to look after him when he attends their feast. Macbeth is concerned about Banquo's suspicions surrounding how he has achieved everything the witches predicted. This is not all. Macbeth is also concerned about what the witches predicted for Banquo. He may not become king himself, however his sons will become king, which is of a fear for Macbeth. Once Banquo exits this scene, Macbeth is seen to talk to three murderers. He claims to the murderers that Banquo was your enemy, trying to justify his actions. Macbeth here is ordering for Banquo and his son's death as they stand in the way of him serving as king successfully. Despite being in control of his actions and making decisions himself, it becomes evident in Act 3, Scene 2 that Macbeth is rather guilty. Here, he claims they have scorched the snake, not killed it, showing how he acknowledges that the threat to the throne is not entirely gone. His guilt is explored when he claims these terrible dreams that shake us nightly, 
as now both him and his wife can't sleep because they are riddled with guilt following their deadly deed. Shakespeare also presents Macbeth as being quite secretive and deceitful. He says to his wife the innocence of the knowledge when referring to his plans for Banquo. Macbeth won't tell his wife what is going on. This is in complete contrast to earlier in Act 1, Scene 7, when Lady Macbeth was persuading her husband to go through with the deed of killing the king. This shows how Macbeth is changing. He was manipulated and persuaded to kill King Duncan earlier, whereas now he makes the decisions and orders for the death of his once good friend. Macbeth's guilt and state of mind comes into question again in Act 3, Scene 4, at his feast. The first murderer reveals that Fleant escaped, which leads Macbeth to become furious as this still poses a problem for him. Fleant could potentially become king and this is an issue for Macbeth. At the feast, Macbeth is horrified to see Banquo's bloodied ghost. This supernatural act is a result of the immense guilt built up inside him. He speaks to the ghost directly. Never shake thy gory locks at me, and thy canst not say I did it, referring himself to the murder he ordered. This shows Macbeth's deterioration into a vulnerable, guilt-ridden man. Lady Macbeth tries to step in to protect her husband, claiming that he is often like this and has been since youth. Macbeth meets the witches for a second time in Act 4, Scene 1. Once more, Macbeth's destiny is in question. Again, like his earlier experience with the witches, he is shown three prophecies. Once again, he fails to understand that his fate is inevitable, however he chooses to act. The witches reveal that Macbeth should be aware of Macduff. No man of woman born shall harm Macbeth, and that he will not be defeated until Burnham Wood comes to his castle. This leaves Macbeth feeling mighty and invincible. It is revealed that Macduff has fled to England. Macbeth is furious with himself for failing to kill Macduff earlier in the play. He vows in the future to act on every impulse and decides to attack Macduff's castle and kill anyone connected to him. Here, we see how ambition and fear has pushed Macbeth to become a violent tyrant who has no limits. He is no longer just targeting political enemies, but their innocent families. This really shows how destructive and bloodthirsty he has become as the play develops. In Act 4, Scene 3, Macbeth is not present. However, a discussion between Malcolm and Macduff reveals more about Macbeth's character. Malcolm refers to Macbeth as Black Macbeth and claims this tyrant whose name blisters our tongue was once thought honest, which reveals to the audience what people now think of Macbeth. He was once an honest character, but people now are aware of his dark and dishonest side. Macduff shares his dislike for Macbeth when he says, Not in the legions of horrid hell can come a devil more damned, which shows Macduff's hatred for Macbeth, even before he's aware that Macbeth has actually murdered his family. 
Act 5 sees a completely different Macbeth from the beginning of the play. He is confident and believes he is powerful and invincible. In Act 5, Scene 3, we see Macbeth become very dismissive of reports of an invasion and an army fighting against him. He states, bring me no more reports, showing his lack of care at this moment with what his servants have to say. This is largely because he believes the reports he has heard can have no consequence due to the apparitions the witches revealed. He further claims, till Burnham Wood remove, I cannot taint with fear. This shows how Macbeth brags about being unafraid of anything now. Despite knowing the English soldiers and Macduff and Malcolm soldiers are gathering against him. Macbeth repeats this a little later in the scene when he says, I will not be afraid of death and bane till Burnham Wood comes. At 5 scene 5 sees a fully armed Macbeth confidently turn all his scorn on the advancing armies. As he begins to speak, he is interrupted by a shriek off stage as his wife dies. His response seems very matter-of-fact as he claims she should have died hereafter. Following the news of his wife's death, he laments that he wishes it were a different time. Fear is further explored in this scene when the messenger reveals, I look towards Burnham and anon, methought, the wood began to move. Macbeth is shocked by the revelations and becomes threatening towards his messenger. If thou speakest false, upon the next tree shall thou hang alive. With Burnham Wood moving towards his castle, Macbeth now begins to fear as he is aware that this was the final apparition from the witches. In Macbeth's final scene, we finally see him come face to face with Macduff. Macbeth states, My soul is too much charged with blood of thine already showing how he doesn't want to fight Macduff as he's murdered so many of his family already. Macbeth still feels powerful and invincible when he claims, I lead a charmed life, which shows how he suggests there is no real point in fighting each other as Macbeth cannot be killed. Macduff refers to Macbeth as a coward, an astonishing turnaround from the brave Macbeth from earlier in the play. However, Macduff is not the first character to refer to Macbeth as a coward. As a result, Macbeth and Macduff fight and Macbeth is killed. The play ends in a much more joyous scene as Malcolm addresses his friends in the castle. In short, Macbeth was introduced as a noble warrior hero, whose fame on the battlefield wins him great honour from the king. He is ambitious and it is those ambitions that ultimately lead to his downfall. He is manipulated into killing the king, which only enhances his murderous ways, which is seen even more when he goes on to kill Banquo and the Macduffs. Ultimately, Macbeth becomes so obsessed with his fate and prophecies from the witches that he becomes delusional. He becomes unable to see the half-truths behind the witches' prophecies. He tries to control his own destiny rather than let nature and fate take its course, which brings about his downfall. Macbeth ends the play as a murderous, greedy, arrogant, tyrannical man.